June 14th, 2023. This one's called Fountain of Youth. Greetings, everyone. I'm on a hike today, again, early in the morning, getting some great sunlight. Super sunny, beautiful weather today. All the smoke has cleared from that zagari that happened last week. So for today's little tidbit, I want to give 12 tips, 12 magic tips for increasing the fountain of youth. And this isn't about being obsessed with uh, youth the way like a lot of society wants us to be. It's different than that. It's about basically um, keeping well, keeping healthy in this world where there's so many assaults. I've even heard things before that our ancestors had the stress that we experienced in one day throughout their entire life. So that kind of explains why there are so many issues these days, why so many people are falling apart in their teens, in their 20s. It's, uh, it's wild. So anyway, let's get started on uh, 12 tips. 12 tips that will give you energy, make you feel youthful, vitalized, happy. All of this is our birthright, of course. It's not, uh, it may become normative or typical not to feel good, but that is not um, what being a human and being alive is about. We're supposed to be in a state of ecstasy. And that's the reason why people actually take drugs like ecstasy, because they're trying to mimic that natural, orgiastic, blissful state that is being a human being. So let's start it out. Tip number one, get sun first thing in the morning. See the sunrise if that is possible for your schedule and maximize red light, natural red light from the sun during the day. And if possible, utilizing red light therapy at night via a red light therapy device. Also avoid sunglasses. This was a hard one for me. I was a big sunglasses hound for decades, was always wearing them. And then when I uh, began wearing prescription frames around uh, 2008, I was all about having the the hottest and nicest prescription sunglasses. But as of late, I have actually given up my sunglasses and I've noticed that my vision and utilization of my regular glasses has gone down. Granted, I'm not the kind of person and never have been who have worn my glasses all the time. Uh, I typically wear them when I'm driving. I wear them if I'm watching something on a screen at a great distance, um, especially if it's subtitles. And I usually wear them when I'm out and about um, food shopping and things like that. But in general, I typically don't wear them, but it is a nice perk to see that eyesight is getting better. I've also noticed that eyesight can improve with the mitigation of certain stimulants. Those stimulants including marijuana, uh, alcohol, caffeine, tobacco. So that's something else to consider if you're uh, in a position of utilizing those things and not wanting to and wearing sunglasses. And now whenever I see someone wearing sunglasses, especially if it's really not a necessary time to wear them, I just want to run over to the person and just rip them off and be like, what are you doing? Because it's, uh, it's really very unhealthy. It's kind of... Um, a real inversion that we block the natural light outside by wearing sunglasses and then when we're inside we blast ourselves with blue light from our TVs, from our computers, from our mobile devices. So we've got everything upside down 
We live in an inverted world. It would make total sense. And in addition to the avoiding sunglasses, getting sun throughout the day, not just first thing in the morning, but taking little sun breaks every hour or two, if that's possible, depending on your schedule. So that's number one, sun. Number two, get to bed before 10. Establish a bedtime routine, maybe reading in bed with um, a gentle red light, maybe giving a magnesium foot soak, maybe giving yourself or your mate a massage, um, lovemaking. These are all good things to do uh, to establish a bedtime routine. Gent gentle stretching, nothing too intense before bed exercise-wise. Sleeping in darkness, uh, sleeping in cool temperatures, uh, and also blocking blue light at night. You're going to want to be doing that about two hours or so before you go to bed. And the sunset, I think, is around 8.23. At least it is over here for me in the northeast um, of, uh, of the states. So that would mean you'd be going to bed around, you know, 10, 10.30, blocking blue light hour, hour two before uh, bed. It makes a total difference. Um, and in general, it's always nice to use softer lighting and not overhead lighting. I'm not a big fan of overhead lighting. I didn't grow up in a house that had a lot of overhead lighting, so I've always been more of the kind of person that likes actually using uh, a lamp. And of course, you can even go further into this and get yourself some really good light bulbs that would create more of a soft amber glow as opposed to that very harsh uh, white Oh, and just going back to number one for a moment in regards to getting sun throughout the day, uh, maybe you're asking yourself, ooh, I'm going to burn and things like that. The reason people burn isn't because they have um, light skin. Um, I myself am a pinky. I've got very light skin. I'm pink undertoned. I'm, I'm not one of those whites that's olive undertoned. But I have noticed that since I have mitigated the polyunsaturated uh, lipids, the omega-6 lipids from my diet, I don't get those burns anymore. So people get um, a sunburn because their body is um, full of uh, toxic industrial uh, Zog lipids. Okay, number three, filter your water, preferably the whole house. This would include drinking water, water for brushing one's teeth, water for showering, uh, water for washing one's clothes, etc. Very important. If you can't do that, at least get a filter on your um, your faucet for drinking water and for cooking and things like that. And also take into consideration that proper hydration and electrolyte balance is important. So if you have an RO or reverse osmosis filter, which takes out everything, including all the gnarly things, as well as minerals, you're going to want to add minerals back to your water. I typically will add um, salt. I will salt my water, especially if I'm doing uh, a sweating activity like exercise that creates lots of sweat or I'm having sauna time. Very important. Number four, move your body throughout the day. Yoga, hiking, weightlifting, etc. I really like things that are natural, even if you do something like surfing or just like a natural gardening, natural movement that will engage all of the muscles. I'm really not into the whole idea of um, the gym. Not to say that's a horrible thing, but I mean, bodybuilding is obviously horrible. Those people usually croak, what, around like 40 or 50 because they, they, um, they abuse their bodies. Uh, so that's not good. But it's really nice to have a practice of movement that is fun. Even cleaning the house can be a good way to get in movement. And I would avoid um, the intense cardiovascular. I consider that to be a breathless waste of time that stresses the body. It doesn't build muscle. I think your best bets are doing things like hiking, 
yoga so you can have really good balance, which typically tends to go as people get older. Even young people can have piss poor balance. And some weights if you're not doing some type of work that would be weight bearing. So if you're a guy and you're doing a manual job and you're constantly lifting stuff or you're chopping wood or you're doing something, you're going to have natural muscles, which is a much more appetizing and healthier look than this bodybuilding physique, which I find very sexually unappetizing. I think you really have to look like that yourself if you're a woman or be totally like fake with like, you know, the booty implants and all that sludge to find that overly juiced look sexually stimulating. A natural body is so much more appetizing because it shows that the person is engaged in natural habits. Number five, reduce xenoestrogen. Xeno, of course, means foreign, like that word xenophobia, which of course, that's like the word transphobia. It's just a way to gaslight someone if they are aware of something that is not good for their civilization. So in the case of this, xenoestrogens, these are foreign estrogens. They are very different than the phytoestrogens. Of course, it's good to minimize those as well. But for the time being, we're going to be talking about the xenos. We've talked about the phytoestrogens quite a bit on the broadcast in the past. So xenoestrogens, birth control, conventional and genetically modified foods, scented and chemical products, even if they're essential oils, um, and those would be phytoestrogens, they can still have hormonal issues, especially lavender and tea tree. I'm, like I said before on many shows, I'm pretty much fragrance-free at this point, and I very much enjoy it. Uh, canned goods, plastic food containers, uh, microwaving obviously would be, you know, especially microwaving in plastic with a piece of cling film on top. That is, um, that's ghastly. Uh, toxic cookware, toxic clothing, so toxic non-stick. Uh, even cast iron can give people iron overload. Most people growing up in the Western world have iron overload from growing up on, you know, Wonder Bread and um, Cheerios and Cheez-Its and maybe taking multivitamins or prenatals or getting an iron injection or even eating too much red meat. Of course, that would be heme iron, even things like um, eating the olives in the can, which you think are actually black, but they're dyed with iron. So all of this is toxic, toxic clothing. So many of our textiles, our clothing are made with uh, toxic fabrics. This is one that takes quite a while. All of this is, a, is an act of, you know, it's a journey. It takes time. You can't just wake up one day and change everything. Most of us don't have the wherewithal or the budget to do that. And I'm not suggesting that. This is kind of like something that you do throughout, you know, weeks and months and years. But the toxic clothing is a big one, especially I remember in the 90s when they started to promote the idea that people should be wearing these polar fleeces that were made from the recycled soda bottles and how it was so green. And that just sounds so weird to be wearing clothing from a toxic plastic soda bottle, but the act of buying more natural fiber clothing I think is really good. I think this is one of the unseen things that could be causing possibly endocrine or hormonal issues for people is the, um, the toxic textile industry. Number six, avoid industrial Zog seed oils. Um, and also I would say too, if you're going to be cooking in lipids, remember so many animal foods already have the intrinsic lipids within them. An egg has the yolk, right? Cheese and milk have fat in it. Uh, a steak or a piece of fish, depending on the type of fish, already has a component of fat in it. So in a way, when we're eating the animal foods, we're already getting the lipids together. It's kind of a package deal. But I would, av I would avoid cooking in seed 
oils. Um, that's, I would avoid cooking in too many fruit oils as well. Um, the palm oil is, is really not so good. It's very high in vitamin A. Uh, sometimes it's coming from the seed of the plant, not the fruit. So you're seeing that a lot these days in products that are, you know, trying to veer away from just safflower, sunflower, canola, rapeseed, cottonseed, etc. But I would avoid the palm oil um, personally. It also is um, devastating to the environments of orangutans and other animals, so it's it's cruel. Uh, coconut oil, I think, is okay to cook in. Um, of course, for whites, it wouldn't be necessarily the most ancestrally appropriate thing, especially in more of the winter time. And with olive oil, I consider olive oil to be more of something that you would drizzle on salads and use as a finishing oil. I really wouldn't recommend it too much for cooking. It is a MUFA, monounsaturated fatty acid, but it still does have some PUFA. So for cooking, I'd recommend things like, you know, butter. Of course, butter has a low smoke point. It usually has to be mixed with something else to raise the smoke point. Um, you could use ghee, you could use uh, tallow, you could use duck fat, which is monounsaturated, which is pretty tasty, very high in vitamin K2, which is pretty much not in the modern uh, diet. And K2 is something, a little side note right here, very interesting information. K2 is something that actually facilitates your own gut microbiome in creating uh, healthy um, bacteria, healthy bacteria balance for your uh, intestines. This is so much better than just taking a probiotic. I really don't recommend probiotics, nor do I utilize them myself. They can be exceedingly expensive, and they can introduce strains into your body that actually will make people feel worse. They'll get gas, they'll get bloating, they'll get constipation, they'll get depression. Uh, so I'm really not keen on probiotics. I'm not keen on fermented foods as a whole. I think that those foods, albeit traditional, I think that those foods were um, foods of famine, foods of using up whatever we had and we had to like, you know, make something with it so it wouldn't you know, basically spoil, but the joke is on us because those foods are spoiled. And when I think about what like the high caste would eat, like let's say in our Vedic, um, you know, days of, of glory back in the day during those times, they were eating fresh food. They were eating fresh meat and fresh dairy and ghee and probably fresh fruit and fresh vegetables. And I'm sure that those fermented dairy products and those fermented uh, vegetable products were probably for the peasant or the chattel class. Um, I really don't think they're that healthy. They also will boost lactic acid, which essentially gives you a cancer metabolism. Not something you hear a lot about. So if you wanna get more of a balance of a good microbiome, avoid sludge food obviously take the tips thus far you've heard on this list and think about uh, utilizing foods that could have k2 now that being said there are a couple of fermented foods that i think have more value than others like i think the natto the fermented soybean product of japan that is very very high in k2 it's really the only uh, vegetable source of K2 because most of the time we think about K2 we think about Gouda cheese, we think about Parmesan, we think about duck fat, um, egg yolks, uh, chicken liver, things like that. So that's one of the few ferments that I think is okay but when people are just loading on the sauerkraut, loading on the kefir, uh, loading on the kombucha, I think this is actually causing more harm than good as well as you know loading on the probiotics um, which usually cost quite a, a bit of money so something to just think about right there in in regards to um, to k2 to seed oils to using the right lipids a lot of information something else would be um, avoiding fortified foods 
talked about this so many times on the broadcast. Um, that would include essentially most of the wheat that you get outside the house. In general, you'll probably feel better if you minimize grains uh, as well. So yeah, uh, fortified foods, they have iron, they have all types of toxic synthetic vitamins. Iron will rust out the body. It's thought that uh, iron overload is one of the key reasons why uh, people are getting so much oxidative stress. It's thought that actually what we consider to be menopause is a form of oxidative stress. So I would really suggest avoiding fortified foods, processed soy. That would include meat that is fed soy. A lot of meat is fed soy. Of course, a little bit, like I said, of natto, which is rich in K2, a little bit of natural fermented soy sauce, not the kikoman, that's absolute sludge. These are traditional foods in small amounts. And also notice too, when we're talking about fermented food, when you eat natto, you're eating like a teaspoon. Same thing with soy sauce, but when you're having sauerkraut, it's gonna be way more. If you're having like kefir or kombucha, it's gonna be way more. So something to really consider. I know with myself, when I was fiddling around with fermented foods during a time when I was like dealing with quite a bit of um, gut turbulence, I think it was the shittiest I felt, to be honest. Okay, so avoid seed oils, avoid fortified foods, avoid processed soy, avoid sugar. That would be white sugar. Uh, I know some people nowadays are saying, you know, it's okay to eat it. It's far better than using any fake sweetener, including monk fruit and Splenda. Um, I'm not Splenda, Stevia. I wouldn't recommend any of those. They um, mess up the gut microbiome. They mess up the hormones. They trick the body into thinking that you're actually getting something sweet when you're not. Uh, but in general, if you want something sweet, I'd recommend honey, maple syrup, maple sugar. Uh, avoid too much high fat food, even if it's saturated fat or it's raw fat. Too much fat can actually clog up the liver. And if we want the liver to be in good shape, if we want to get rid of fatty liver, if we want to have good organ health, a good metabolism, we need to keep the fat to like a moderate level, um, keeping the carbohydrates to a moderate level and eating a good amount of protein. And for some people that means also eating a decent amount of fiber to get these used hormones out of the system. Of course, depending on who you are, you may be able to tolerate more or less um, fiber and different types of fibers. And maybe this wasn't necessarily, like we said in the last clip about RH negative, an ancestral part of the diet originally like beans, but we live in this modern zoggy zog world. And that means sometimes we have to do things in order to facilitate what it takes to maintain homeostasis in this world. Also avoid the overconsumption of raw vegetation. They can be very hard to digest, especially if you have gut issues. Avoid the overconsumption of uh, nuts, um, especially if they're not in nut butters. Of course, they're high in polyunsaturated fats. And the ill preparation of grains and legumes. Most of the time, grains and legumes are going to be ill prepared. I think most food outside the house is going to be ill prepared. That's just kind of a rule of thumb. Number seven, avoid or minimize alcohol, caffeine, and marijuana. These are all um, stimulants, essentially. Well, alcohol is actually a central nervous system depressant. It's uh, a vasodilator. And uh, caffeine and marijuana would be um, central nervous system depressants, I believe. No, stimulants, excuse me. And they're vasoconstrictors. That's why people get anxiety oftentimes when they utilize those substances. Of course, it has to also factor into the health of their uh, liver. But these things are not really used, at least in a regular way, 
in any traditional society. They may have been used kind of in more of a ritualistic way. They may have been mixed with other things when they were used. Of course, the strain and the type was totally different. And also, these are really facets um, of living in a modern society, of being severely emotional stressed, possibly even traumatized. And also, they're indicative of a diet that is not nutrient-dense. People utilize stimulants when their diet is not nutrient-dense. That's the bottom line. I don't really hear that many people talking about this, but if someone had a nutrient-dense diet, especially a diet that was high in protein, they would feel high, relaxed, and satiated from that diet, and they wouldn't be reaching for these stimulants to give them a boost or a jolt. I would also include uh, excessive consumption of sugar in this group too because oftentimes around 3 p.m. that's when people have like you know the traditional colloquial office slump and they have to take um, caffeine, sugar, maybe these days it's marijuana or alcohol, maybe it's all of them all together and that's because their blood sugar is dipping because they've probably eaten terrible food up until that point. They haven't practiced proper light hygiene. They haven't practiced any of the things we've talked about thus far on this list. And they're using those stimulants to basically mimic the natural feel-good feeling that you would have from eating a diet that was nutrient-dense. Number eight, ditch the toxic supplements, the multivitamins, the prenatals, the vitamin D, which is actually a hormone, fish oil. Instead, take things like minerals, um, you can use adaptogenic mushrooms if you want. Um, of course, mushrooms in general are considered a damp and dead food. Your choice, what you want to do with that. You may want to try them short term. And sometimes some of the organ supplements can help too. As you know, I'm not too keen on liver because of the vitamin A. I think it's very easy to get overloaded on that. But there are plenty of other organs that aren't high in vitamin A, things like heart you could take those in supplemental form, or you could actually just eat them, you know, fresh as is. And something too I've noticed in regards to the desiccated organs, it's very hard to find brands that do not add a little bit of liver to every single organ supplement brand. There are ones out there. Um, I think Life Giving Store, if anyone's on the prowl for an organ supplement and just isn't in a position right now to eat them as is, um, can't find them, don't want to go down that avenue right now, lifegivingstore.com sells just like singulars and I have a blend as well but it seems like all the major organ supplement companies all have liver added to it um, maybe they're told by Big Z they have to add that um, I've always heard too that liver if you are going to eat it is better fresh as opposed to eating it in the desiccated form it kind of uh, messes with some of the amino acids and actually could put someone into a hypothyroid state too much liver fresh or desiccated could put someone into a hypothyroid state and also like I've said before on prior broadcasts that the vitamin A is more bioavailable as is the copper when it's consumed raw something to consider Number nine, eat nutrient-dense food. Meat, and by meat, I mean ruminant meat, um, fowl, uh, fish, eggs, raw A2 dairy, animal lipids and fruit oils, coconut, uh, olive, macadamia, uh, fruits, vegetables, properly prepared grains and legumes. Do not skip meals and eat at least 80 grams of protein daily to clean the liver. Now, if you're doing spiritual fasting or something like that every so often maybe you have a routine where you do this I don't see that to be an issue I mean maybe if someone was uh, in very ill health 
pregnancy, obviously, breastfeeding would not be a time to do this. Um, even conception time would probably not be a time to do this. But I think that if someone is in a state where they're able to do that, a small spiritual fast, or for whatever other reason, shouldn't really be a huge issue. But if fasting becomes a lifestyle, that's when it becomes problematic. It becomes very stressful, especially for us ladies who are on a very different schedule than men. Men are on a daily rhythm, women are on a weekly rhythm, so the male body is way more uh, adapted to doing things like fast. Think about in the past when our men probably went out to battle, maybe they couldn't eat for a day or two, and for us, we don't we don't have that system. Uh, it's just this is just the way it is. Biology, of course, trannies hate shit like this, but this is just what it is. So you really have to not skip meals. And if you are doing what's considered to be circadian rhythm fasting, when you're eating within a window where there's light outside, you're way better off uh, skipping your evening or PM meal than you are skipping your morning meal because when you wake up you've already been fasting for like eight-ish hours, right? So in regards to like weight loss and energy and all these health markers, if you're skipping breakfast you can expect to gain weight and have low energy and have low dopamine and really feel like sludge at a certain point in your life but you will actually see way more gains if you eat more of your food during the hours of light. In general, it's probably best to eat food when it's light out in general, like the late night snacking. I know it's been pretty popular in the pro-metabolic space and I, I tried it for uh, a while. I, I don't really think it's very helpful. I think actually your body is competing for sleep and digestion, which is kind of a bummer. And it can actually make you something called uh, leptin resistance. Leptin is a, a hormone um, it's a hunger signaling hormone and leptin resistance can be the precursor to insulin resistance which is the precursor to diabetes and once you've gone down that road of, of getting these things of course the further down the road you are the harder it's going to be to unravel these things so if you are snacking at night chances are you're not eating enough food during the day just like someone who has to reach for stimulants not eating enough food during the day number 10 cultivate positivity Reconnect with what makes you happy, spend time in nature, have gratitude, engage in prayer and manage stress, and have meaningful relationships and meaningful work. Now that sounds like a lot, but all of this, like I said, it's a journey, it's a work in progress. There's no need to do a 24-hour overhaul and change all of this straight away. This is just a guideline. Number 11, make love, do body work like massage and gua sha sauna, spa treatments, and holistic dental health. It's nice to be able to take this into our own hands. Sometimes it's nice to go to a spa and get a massage and do all that or get a facial. Oftentimes it's hard to find a massage therapist or an aesthetician who's using high quality um, lotions and um, treatments for the skin. So it's nice to do these things at home or have your mate help you with these things. And it's a lot more affordable and it's a hell of a lot more healthy. And finally, number 12, nurture your spirituality and move through past trauma. So all of this, of course, is easier said than done if you're dealing with less trauma, but the, um, the upside or silver lining of this is that all of this will basically help you move through past trauma. So if you're doing a lot of these things, getting the sun, keeping a good sleep hygiene, having the good water, getting the exercise, reducing the xenos, avoiding the xyo sludge, avoiding the stimulants, um, ditching the toxic supplements, eating the real diet, connecting 
you know, with uh, positivity and hanging out with good humans, having work that makes you feel good, having body treatments. Like some people don't even want to touch their body because they're so depressed or disembodied. All of this becomes easier when you move through the trauma, but by doing these things, you'll actually also move through the trauma and then you'll be less likely to be attached to utilizing stimulants and you'll be more likely to care to actually eat a healthy diet. But I really feel that the crux of this is getting the routine set, having a schedule, getting the sun, having the good sleep routine and eating enough food, especially eating enough protein. I've said this so many times on so many broadcasts and all we ever hear these days from the vegan community is you've got to eat all these carbohydrates and all of these you know, a lot of them actually inflammatory. I'm not an anti-carbohydrate person. I think I've made that pretty clear. And then you hear from a lot of these pro-meat advocates that you've got to eat some protein, but you've got to really pound down the animal fat. And I think that's also misguided. There's really no one out there telling you eat adequate protein. In many instances, make sure you get fiber so you can detox those used hormones like estrogen and cortisol. And also, by doing this, you will be less attracted to stimulants and this will help you move through trauma. So that's the takeaway from this show. Get sun, get movement, have a good sleep routine, and eat enough protein and fiber so you can move through trauma and get away from those stimulants, which just make you more stressed in the end. So that is the end of this little tidbit called Fountain of Youth. I hope that was easy listening, appetizing, informative, all those things. I'm going to get going on my hike now and enjoy the rest of my day. Wishing everyone an amazing Wednesday, wherever they are in this big white world. Until we meet again, Satnam.